I never sign anyone without seeing their live show. Because oh, so you can't deliver, right? If you can't yeah. deliver live, then I'm not interested in like a studio auto-tune musician. And I'm not knocking it, but it just doesn't speak to me. And if I'm going to work with someone, I want to be passionate about it. Mm. And I want to believe in them a million percent. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, what is going on? This is Brie Noble, and you are tuned in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And I've got another great interview for you today. If you are a longtime listener, you know that we have built our reputation on great interviews ever since the beginning in 2015. Um, Now we actually include our Facebook Live show every week, as a podcast episode where I'm kind of teaching or sometimes I bring on other people to teach some stuff. But every other Monday, we still have interviews. And today I've got a great one for you with a manager, a mom, a music lover, and someone that's really respected in the music industry. And she's also, of course, a woman. She is Natalie Umbert. But before I get to the interview, I want to let you know about something really exciting. Um, Many people who love this show have contacted me and said, you know what, we'd love to support you. We know that you are putting this together for us for free and you're doing a lot of work in the background. You've got people working for you. And we just really want to support this effort because we're getting so much out of the show. And so we put together a Patreon page that will help support the female entrepreneur musician, not just this show, but also our indie interactive that happens every week on Facebook. Also our free community, the female indie musician community on Facebook, as well as um, a lot of the other free resources and things that we offer on the female entrepreneur musician. And of course the women of substance podcast and radio station, which are, is kind of our sister platform where we promote female artists. So if you'd like to support us on Patreon, there are several different levels all the way down to like one or $2 a month and all the way up to, you know, maybe even being a sponsor for this show. And there's lots of different levels in, in between and lots of different great rewards. So go check it out at patreon.com slash Fem musician. That's patreon.com slash F is in female, E is an entrepreneur, musician, or go to femmusician.com and check out any of our podcasts and you'll see the banner on the right hand side of the page. Now, let me introduce you to Natalie Umbert. Natalie Umbert is one of the most sought after managers in the industry today. She has more than 20 years' experience working for such premier companies as Primary Wave, New Breed, and EMI Records Group. And her passion for discovering emerging talent led her to open her own management firm earlier this year called Chroma Artist Management. 
She currently has a full roster of rock and alternative rock bands from around the world and prides herself in the partnerships she has created with all of her artists. I think you're really going to enjoy and learn a lot from my interview with Natalie Umbert. So that's a little bit about Natalie Umbert. So Natalie, is there anything about you that's maybe a little bit interesting, quirky, unique that is not in your bio that you want to tell our listeners? Quirky? Like like what? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, something that maybe in your personal life that you do that might be surprising. Um, well, most people would, would be surprised to know that I'm act- I was actually born in Peru um, because people say, well, you have no accent. That was your first language. And um, it's, it's kind of one of those things where I kind of don't tell people like, that are Spanish speakers. I just let them talk and perhaps talk about me. And then I'll kind of jump in later and I love to see their reactions. But um, no, in general... I just find it, um, it's just been really great in my life to be able to be bilingual and bicultural. And from that, I think I, I have developed um, kind of many quirks, which actually, you know, leads me to, leads to music because I, my musical tastes or likes are so vast and diverse, everything from, you know, salsa, you know, reggaeton to like metal, you know, and I really mm-hmm. think that that's kind of like part of my personality too, to be honest. So I would say it's a general personality, big quirk. I'm kind of yeah. all over the place, but I'm flexible. How's that? <laughs> I like that. I like that. And that's good because you work with a lot of different artists. So you being flexible is important. So I would love to find out how you get got started in working in the music world. Um, are you an artist yourself? I actually don't know that. Or do you just love music? Um, I am not an artist. My dad, while he is not, I would say, a career artist, he's always been a musician, first guitar and then self-taught piano, actually self-taught both. So there was always music in our house. And early on, I would say from about five years old, you know, he would teach me songs and show tunes even. So I kind of perform in our living room. I have terrible stage fright. So the living room has always been my stage. Like if I really had to perform in front of people, I would probably faint before I even like uttered one sound. Um, But no, there was always music in our house. And it was just something that was part of my life. And I I wasn't I don't think I knew that I would work in the music business, but I just knew that it would be part of something. Um, and then um, I grew up in South Florida after South America. And, you know, there we had, you know, Miami music. This was the set late 70s and 80s. Miami music. Um, and also we just had one classic rock station. So my exposure um, wasn't that vast. You know, it's like indie music or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I finally begged my mom for um, a subscription to Rolling Stone. And the first issue came and this band, this new band called Guns N' Roses was on. (laughs) Right. And I was like, what is this? And I just kind of became obsessed. I just kind of became obsessed. And that really kind of started guiding me into music. Um, And then I went to school in Boston and I just took every opportunity to do independent studies and have internships um, in radio, um, with the Boston Music Awards and really anything connected to music while I was there. So that's kind of how I started. And then uh, when I graduated, I moved to New York because I said, this is it. I'm going to go work in the music industry. And I was, I mean, beyond fortunate to land an internship at EMI Records at that time, which is, I mean, 
It's a huge company. And um, my good friend's dad, he, Charles Koppelman, who is an industry veteran and someone that I beyond respect, you know, he's just an incredible, incredible person, um, music person, business person. Um, he gave me a chance, my first internship and everything just went from there. Wow. So was it, was it easy or difficult to move from intern to actually, did you then move to working at EMI? I did. Um, I think part of, think, you know, it's kind of like a boot camp. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel Glass was another guy. Um, he's um, founder of Glass Note Records, but he was president under Charles's CEO um, or chairman. And he always said, you know what, guys? 50% of life is showing up. And so we learned, you know, as interns, we learned early on, like, if you show up, like, you know, both literally and figuratively, mm. like, you will get a job. And so I just worked and worked and worked. And I, and I just showed up seven in the morning, stayed till whenever I needed to. It was, I was willing to do everything. And I learned so, so much. And um, I then that's why I transitioned into the job because they could see that I really was committed and I really wanted it. So, yeah, that's really cool. Now, what year was this around? 1992. Okay, I'm just getting an idea of like what the industry was like back then. <laughs> I'm not trying to out your age. I'm just kind of you know thinking about the record industry then and the record industry yeah. now. Completely different world. Yeah. So how did you how did you feel as a woman um, working in the industry? Did you feel like there was as many opportunities as there were for men, did you feel like you had to prove yourself more? I think early on when I was younger, when you're, when you're all starting out together, I didn't feel that as much because we were all newbies. And, you know, at the time, like we weren't paid very much, but you know, we got free CDs. So we would like, my friends from Geffen would send me their CDs and I'd send, and it was kind of this camaraderie, whether, you know, you're woman or man. And it, it was, I didn't really feel it. As time went on, you know, absolutely. And you have to be very, very careful with whom you work and how you work, mm-hmm. you know, to um, kind of maintain, you know, professional demeanor because, you know, historically, you know, women in music, you know, are like, you know, the groupies or band-aids and, you know, if you're even connected to it, you know, it, it's a fine line sometimes. So as I've gotten older, I certainly, def- I certainly feel that difference. That makes sense. And I mean, I remember when I first became a manager at a company, I was 27 and I was, I was working with and managing some people that were like 20 years older than me. And it was really hard for them to take me seriously. So sometimes it's, it's the woman side and the age side. Correct. It's really hard to overcome. Sometimes people don't take you seriously when you're in your twenties. <laughs> Well, you know, it's true. And I have obviously lived through that. But now conversely, so now I'm in my 40s. Okay, I'm just going to say it. And That's fine. I am too. We're all, we're all good. <laughs> okay. But um, so now I also have to, you know, kind of like keep it young because, you know, the 20-year-old like indie you know, musicians, you know, they might not believe that you really get it, even mm-hmm. though I do. 
you know, I'd be like, how could she possibly get it? Because, you know, to a 20 year old, 40 something sounds ancient. Like, oh, my parents are that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's twice and my age. Yeah, I know. It's funny because before, you know, I just, I maintained kind of a mystery about my age that so people would take me seriously because I was younger. And now I kind of maintain that mystery just so the younger people take me seriously as well. So, you know what? It's, for women, it's just a struggle. <laughs> oh man, I just outed your mystery. <laughs> You did. did. I'm in trouble. So I make a joke about it now. I'm like, I just don't tell. I stopped counting and I just don't talk about it. Absolutely. (laughs) I made that announcement off the bat. (laughs) That's funny. What happened after that? Give us kind of a a tour of where you went from there to now. Well, I worked with EMI both in New York and then in the office in Los Angeles. And um, again, I just was very, very fortunate to be able to have worked in all formats, um, in all genres. And I worked primarily in radio promotion at that time. So I started making, um, you know, this business is so much, 90% is about relationships. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I was very lucky to make, yeah, to establish really good relationships with people who are now running the show. You know, people who are now the chairman, people who are now the CEOs. And these are all people I started with or started, you know, two or three years before me. Um, So I would say that provided me like a huge foundation. So when I left working for a label, um, I stayed working in, you know, um, independent A&R because I really, really, I'm really about the music. You know what I'm saying? And and, um, I kind of, I don't want to say leverage the relationships because I'm actually quite close with many people um, because it's been so long. Um, But yeah, so my journey was mostly after record label, I'm working in A&R, more of a consultant. And then I transitioned into um, artist management later. From there, you you started working in management and, and artist development. And what kind of artists were you working with at that time? Um, mostly I would say, um, pop, pop artists and rock artists. Okay. Yeah. And are these artists that people would know or were they more on the indie side? Um, early on, I mean, it was definitely the artists that people would know. Most recently, um, you know, I've, I've had the really good fortune to work with Candlebox, um, a band mm-hmm. that I really, really loved even from the early nineties, but I hadn't worked with them then um and it was it was a it's it was a great experience because here's a band um that really has had this incredible longevity and they weren't pigeon they're not been pigeonholed into like the whole like seattle scene even though they were from seattle kind of thing so it was a great opportunity to really watch a band that has evolved maintain their identity but hasn't been afraid to kind of change the music but still keeping the fans so i I would kind of cite that one as like a a really big influence for me you know working with kids i've also worked with you know with uh you know 80s i guess like hair band veterans, you know, with Don Dawkins, you know, with those people, um, Jack Russell from, from Great White, um, you know, people like that. Mm, that's cool. So how do you decide what bands you want to work with? Well, for me, you know, everyone always says, well, yeah, you have to find the next big thing. True. Um, to me, the next big thing just means someone being unique um, and committed to their uniqueness instead of trying to just fit into the current market 
you know, or the current, you know, barometer, I guess. Um, and number one, so someone kind of doing their own thing and doing it really well and, and something that's really compelling to me. Second is I never sign anyone without seeing their live show. Because oh, so you can't deliver, right? If you can't yeah. deliver live, then I'm not interested in like a studio auto-tune musician. And I'm not knocking it, but it just doesn't speak to me. And if I'm going to work with someone, I want to be passionate about it. And I want to believe in them a million percent. So yeah. those are the two big things. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, that's so important. Like, how can you be effective if you don't? And I think it's so easy to kind of want to take someone's money because maybe you need clients. I mean, I know people that have been in that kind of a quandary. Like, I really need clients, but I can't support these people if I'm not really, really passionate about it. And you know, you're not going to get more clients, obviously, if you can't show what you can do for your clients and you can do that because you're passionate. So I think you're absolutely right in coming at it from that angle. And there's just so much to be said for really believing in, in someone. I know that there's been some people that I've promoted and it's like, I could never have done that had I not just absolutely loved what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, you go and see musicians. Um, recently I was turned on this amazing bluegrass artist. And the thing is, I fully admire what he does, but this is another side of it. Like, I'm not in the bluegrass world. So, you know, it would be, you know, inauthentic and disingenuous of me to say, hey, let me manage you because I just couldn't do it to the best of my ability, despite being, you know, passionate about what he does you know that's another side of it too like I have to know what I'm doing because I always remember you know this is my life my career but this is these people's lives like they're yep. dedicating their lives to this and I just can't take it lightly you know on either side so yeah I agree with you yeah that's so great I'm glad that you you brought that up because yeah I mean you you've got a lot of connections and you you know you know the business and all that but like you said you might not know that side of it as well. And you wouldn't necessarily be the best person to represent someone like that. Yeah. And in that case, I really always think to myself, who, 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 who's the right person? Right. For who can person? I find? How can I help? And I love that. I always want to help because, you know, these people are so good, but you know, you just need the right helper, <laughs> you know? Yep. So I know that you just recently this year went out, struck out on your own, started your own management company. What made you decide this is the right time to do that? Um, I think because I have the experience and I've lived through fantastic experiences and I've also lived through hellish experiences. Huh. And I, I, I feel very confident that I know how to navigate both. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen enough um, working with lovely artists and some awful artists, yeah. and I mean personality-wise, to know you know, with whom I want to work. And that's another thing. Um, who do I choose? The people, the bands that I choose or the artists I choose, I only work with nice people. I don't like attitudes. I don't like, you know, this like false, like swagger, bravado business. It's not for me. Amen to that. You know, I just like, if you're going to play at being a rock star, I'm not your girl. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, and so you get to the point where you're like, okay, I can, I can do this. I can do this on my own. And, I, you know, like we said before, I want to be passionate about the artists I'm working with. And when you're working with someone else, you're kind of assigned to, you know, an artist that 
eh, you know, eh. um, so I was really ready to just go on my own and make it happen, you know, on my own terms, I guess. Yeah, that makes complete sense. You have complete control. Um, so let our listeners know, because most of our listeners are artists, what does a professional manager actually provide for artists? And why should they think of having one? And when should they think of getting one? That's such a good question. Um, and I, I, I always think about it in terms of kind of where you are in your career. You know, the newer bands, you know, that they're all about the music and they're not... I would say, honestly, 75% of them are not thinking about imaging at all, you know, things like that, you know, and aside from social media, maybe like not, they're not really sure how to do promotion. So I, I call them like the, my young band, my baby bands, you know, we start, I start with everything. I start like making their package, um, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Cause you know, these days, I mean, it was about imaging before, but now it's really about imaging and you know, you want the bands to be heard. Um, you want their image to represent where they come from and what their music is. Um, so I guide the newer bands a lot in terms of just like the, I, I want to, you know, the complete package, more of like a holistic approach to presenting themselves. Does that make sense? Yes. So basically they're branding their image. Yeah, they're branding. You don't have to kind of start at the beginning, you know? So for the newer bands, I, I I do everything from Im imaging to then, okay, here's your music. We have 30 songs, you know, to A&R coaching in a way. Okay, so do you feel that these 10 songs represent, you know, really represent like where you are right now musically? And, and, and is this going to be part of like your evolution musically? Because sometimes they're just really fond of, you know, these couple songs that they used, that they first wrote, you know, from nostalgia, but that's not really where they're going, you right. know? So help with A&R coaching, um, you know, uh, you know, I'll help them determine which markets, which demographics are appropriate for them because sometimes they don't know because they haven't really played outside of their, you know, town or city or region, you know, so I, I need to help them, you know, figure out those things, do the research. Um, you know, I need to help them. They don't have agents yet and they know how to book shows, but again, either regional or super local. So I need to help them book shows and really get them out there and really get them in front of people, you know, just because otherwise they're not going to be seen and heard. Um, and basically, you know, you know, teach them how to do all of these things. And, um, you know, and subsequently once they're getting a little more established and building a buzz, you know, then of course I will help them, you know, if they want to search for a label, you know, some people just want to release independently. Some people, you know, would like to be attached to a label. So I help with that and I help them get a booking agent because ultimately these days you have to tour to make yeah. money. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But everything is a process. And, you know, people think like once you get signed to something, everything happens in three months, you're going to be a star. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes oh, I tell people it's going to be three years. So sit down <laughs> you know what I'm and please listen. Even then, there's like you know, percentage percentages involved. Yeah, <laughs> not you know, everyone's gonna make it. I was watching that new, um, new-ish um, documentary about Jimmy Iovine and uh, and um, Dr. Dre. Oh, and, and um, it was this whole thing where he told Gwen Stefani when they were first starting with No Doubt, he's like, "In six years, you're gonna be a star." And she was like, six years." He's like, "Just 
trust me, that's what it takes. You know, you have to, I have to like tell these people, like, it's a build, you know, one in a million puts out one song and, you know, and all of a sudden you're huge, but you know, you just have to work at it. Now for the more, my more established bands, you know, of course they don't need as much of like the branding and the coaching, you know, it's just, it's more of, uh, it's more of like the day-to-day kind of logistics with them. It's also, um, you know, really figuring out how to maintain, promote their longevity, you know, um, evolving, you know, evolving without completely trying to change themselves to stay current. Right. Things like that. Um, But at that level, you know, I mean, these people are doing bigger tours. Um, They, you know, they have opportunities for, you know, brand synergy, you know, um, people are very much, you know, would like to be involved with them with, with sponsorships and endorsements and, you know, and, and you want to leverage all these things in terms of longevity as well. So it's more of, um, I would say it's more of a, a business kind of, uh, not business manager, you not, not in the financial way, but more of a, you know, a plan, a business plan. Cause at that, you know, it really is a business. These bands yes. are you know, especially the more established ones, they're like a machine, you know? So it's, it, I pull out more of like my MBA hat when it comes to the more established bands, I guess. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you say that. It's so important for musicians to think of themselves as a business. Mm-hmm. They don't want to focus on those things, which is why I'm here. Yep. <laughs> you know, they want to focus on the music and being who they are, but you know, they have to actually, you know, understand that that's really what it is. <laughs> You, now, you know, the, the more established ones, do you help them with finding sponsors? I do. Okay. I, for sure. For That's sure. really cool. So, so for your, for, so your, like your baby bands, as you called them, um, the newer bands, what do you look for in one of those bands other than loving their music? Like, do you want them to be in a certain place, like have a certain number of followers, certain number of people on their email list, see a certain amount of engagement? What are you looking for there? Um, the whole social media thing, I mean, it's, it's brilliant because it's, you know, you can do it yourself. It's DIY. Right. Um, and so on that end, it's great. I think that, you know, record labels and, you know, other industry people who are looking to spend money on a new band, you know, really, really focus on those numbers. But Unfortunately, sometimes people don't know how to grow their numbers and it really has nothing to do with popularity at some points. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And I think that a lot, I think too much importance is placed on the numbers. And, and, uh, you know, one of the speeches I have to give at the beginning, you know, with the baby bands is, listen, we need to increase your numbers, not because I say so, but because the world says so. Yep. I mean, um, Wait, tell me your question again. I think I, I think I no, 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 no. That's really good because I, I agree. Like some of those are what I call man- vanity metrics, but yes. to some people they're so important. But on the other hand, you don't want to like game the system and build your numbers up with f- people that aren't actually real fans. Right. Well, exactly what you said. That's right. You said fan engagement. It's true. Like, you know, if I if a band comes to me and I look at their page, and you know they have twenty thousand likes on their page. But every time they post something and say and actually ask a direct question, you know, to the fans and 49 people are engaged out of 20,000, I'm thinking, where did you get these likes? You know, it's yep. just, 
they're not, it's, it's not commensurate. I don't think with a baby band, it's ever truly commensurate, but, um, you know, it, it kind of gives me pause if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no. I think that's totally true. Do you ever encourage them to use some of their marketing budget to put into like Facebook ads or something to just get their message out to more people? I do. I do. They're relatively inexpensive, you know, and if you gain five fans from, you know, promoting to, you know, five true, true fans, you know, from promoting to, you know, 400 people, why not? You know what I'm saying? It's not such a financial commitment that it's not worth the gamble. Yeah. And I feel like if you've gone through all the trouble to get these people that like your page, you want them to see your stuff. And yes, Facebook is not necessarily going to show it to them. So you need to make sure that happens. Right. Well, you know, now that, right. Now that they show what they feel like showing to us, I think, I think it's just an easy way to really to get on people's feeds. And I I don't think that's um, like a vanity thing at all. No, no, that's real engagement. I think. Exactly. I agree. So I know that you work with I'm either all or mostly male bands, and I'm really interested to hear, you know, do you have any, are there any obstacles to being a woman manager dealing with all male bands? Um, okay, so I would just like to say it's really not by choice. It's just kind of how it happened. <laughs> it's not like I only work with men. Okay, so all you females that are listening to the yeah. Female Entrepreneur Musician Show, let it be known that she's not just for male artists. I'm not just, no. Um, uh, how is it? Well, okay. So I, again, I'm lucky enough. I grew up with three brothers. Mm. So I'm the oldest, but I, you know, I'm kind of always been known as like a guy's girl. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I can uh-huh. have boys because I had to. So, and obviously, you know, little brothers are so irritating, especially when they want to, you know, make bodily noises and things like, that. <laughs> you know, so you kind of get used to hanging with dudes. Mm. Um, so on that level, um, when I, when I meet bands and we, you know, we hang out, cause I do like to, you know, as they say, bro down quite mm. a few times before we decide to get, you know, engaged, right. <laughs> you know, because you have to know if you have that chemistry anyway. Yes. Um, you know, I think that guys see a, that I can hang, you know, that really nothing shocks me. And when they do things like that, sometimes they'll do things to test me. I just ignore it. You know, I like, oh, I, you know, do something. And so they're not getting like, the rise out of me. So then they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> she really, <laughs> cool. she can hang. Um, and also very, one thing I avoid and I have always avoided it is getting personally involved. Like you never date a rock star or oh, Yeah. Rule numero uno for women working with all men, no, no romance <laughs> at all. So you got to be able to hang and no romance. Otherwise, you can get yourself into some trouble. I mm-hmm. think. You agree? <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. Also, going back to your other question, you know, you know, if a, if a, if a man in the industry would get involved with an artist, you know, with a woman, nobody's, everybody's like, oh, cool, dude. You know, mm-hmm. you got that. You know, if, um, you know, conversely, a woman, you know, then it's like, oh, she, again, like, she's a groupie. Like, she just likes to, she just likes to do this because she likes to hang with, you know, music. <sighs> and it's infuriating. Yeah. That's why I'm very, as close as I get with my artists, there's a boundary and there has mm-hmm. to be. So that's really the challenge, I think, is being taken seriously. 
that's such a good point about that double standard. It's so annoying and frustrating. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you're also a single mom. And so how do you balance all this working with bands and and running your own business and all that with being a single mom? And, you know, does it, does this job take you away? Like, do you have to go on tour and stuff or do you mostly just consulting from a home base? Well, one of the reasons I guess I left it out before that I wanted to start my own company is so that I would have the flexibility to, you know, be with my kids when I need to be. Um, so that, that helps a lot. You know, because I, I am, believe it or not, I'm very early riser. So what I can accomplish between five and nine is, you know, sometimes takes a whole day. You know, if I'm sitting in an office because, you know, in an office working with someone else because there's interruptions and the whole thing. So that was really one of the things that makes it easier to be a mom. Um, also, in terms of touring, I do like to be on the road with my band, but I never go like three nights is the most, mm. most, 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 because I, I don't need to be there. Whole, I don't like holding their hands the whole time, but in certain markets, you know, it's important. It's like reconnaissance. You know, I need to understand like, is this really working in this market? How is, you know, how is the tour manager vibing? Is this going to work for the next, you know, three months? So I'll go out maybe once a month for about three nights and sometimes twice a month for two to three nights, but that's about it. I really limit it because also I just don't think it's necessary. Right. Um, that's really smart though. I mean, I, I love that reconnaissance idea. Like you do need to be on the ground and see what's happening. Yeah. And I guess the same thing goes for my kids. Like I have to do reconnaissance with my kids. Like I need to know what they're doing in school. Like, you know, like I'll put my, you know, my little ones on the bus and, you know, so I really don't have that much time with the teachers, you know, but when I'm home, like I'll go and like, I'll volunteer for the Halloween party. You know, I can't be on the PTA. Plus like, you know, you, as a mom, you tell like the, the suburban, you know, mom's like, Oh, I manage bands. People are like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, if I had to explain to the moms of the kids in my daughter's class what I did, they'd be like, I don't even understand that. Like, yeah, what is the heck is a podcast? You, you know? Right. Oh, right. Exactly. Like, what do you mean? Like, what do you <laughs> You know, some of them are friends with me on Facebook and, and every once in a while I'll see one of them and they're like, you're doing some interesting things, but like they can't describe what it is or they don't really get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. And then they think like rock and roll. My daughter is older. And before these parents meet me, they think, you know, this house is some like, you know, groupie love den for rock and rollers. <laughs> I mean, we're actually very boring and normal in my home. <laughs> you know, I save for about all that stuff for the road. You know right. I mean? <laughs> That's hilarious. It, you know what? It, it, it all works out. And I will tell you this, I am exhausted all the time. <laughs> um, but, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. I, have, I do have three children. I have, you know, like a teenage daughter. And then I have twin boys who are six years old. Wow. So, you know, if they drive me crazy. So really whatever happens with my band doesn't face me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I love that. You know, it's like, you're, getting, you're getting seasoned for it all the time at home. Uh, exactly. So, you know, it's, it, it is hard and I won't tell you it's not but you learn how to manage it. You know, I always say, you know, put one foot in front of the other and that's it. Yeah. Great, great advice. So um, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I think it's really been helpful for the people listening to this show 
to know, you know, what a manager does and to understand when they might be ready for that. Um, and maybe anybody that's listening that might want to do this as a career. I, I think that you're really inspiring of how you kind of moved through there. And, and I think it's important what you said earlier about relationships. I think that is 90%, 80 to 90% of how we get through our career you know, how we, how we treat other people and how we communicate with other people and form relationships. And that's really important, not just for managers, but for artists, you know, we need to form relationships with venues and form relationships with other artists that, you know, we can maybe partner with in some way. And we need to not look at it like a a competition. How, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm getting on my soapbox for some reason. All of a sudden, this no, is no. But you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, unfortunately, you know, business competition—they kind of go yeah. hand in hand. But at the same time, just like I tell my band, be nice. There's nothing. It's not hard to be nice. Do you know what I'm saying? You don't yep. need. You don't need to front. You know, as the kids say. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's funny. Well, let our listeners know how people can find out more about you, contact you, find out more about the bands that you manage? Uh, well, my company is Chroma Artist Management. And I, I actually, if you want to know, I chose uh, Chroma, I chose the name because it's a kind of a combination of the chromatic scale in music and also um, color, like Kodachrome. And mm. when personally, you know, when I hear music, I see color. I see color and movement. So people are always like, what does that even mean? So that's what it means to me. <laughs> okay. I like that. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's personal. And you know what? There's also some, like you said, so many different types of music, so many colors, so many flavors. And again, that's what resonates with me. So there it is. So my company is Chroma Artist Management. Um, you can take a look at my website and meet all of our artists. Um, it's um, www.chromaam.com. So Chroma AM, Artist Management. And I'm um, just out there and um, my contact info is there. So if anybody wants to reach out, you know, just, you know, as again, as a woman in the business or thinking of starting a business or related business, I'm always here. Um, I really like to mentor people just so you know, or, you know, and just have conversations or just really see what other women are doing, <laughs> you know what I mean? And how they do it. So please reach out to me. Oh, thank you so much for that. I know that, um, you know, our listeners are pretty responsive to the people that are on this show and most people do get some people responding to them. So I hope you guys will feel free to contact Natalie and she just, she's just nice. Like you want to know her. So Thank you. And I really appreciate it. Oh, you are welcome. Thanks so much for sharing with our listeners today. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.